You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. This is one of my favorite scriptures uh, in the Bible. It says, The God of Israel spoke, the rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over people in righteousness. When he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of the morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after the rain that brings grass from the earth. When there's good leadership, you can tell. And he describes it as, like when you wake up in the morning and and you're just refreshed. And there is such a need right now for leadership in the church. On the west side, throughout the kingdom. Last Saturday, uh, our church, a lot of leaders came from different parts of the United States to be in Orange County to talk about ICOC 3.0. To talk about, okay, where, where do we go from here? Okay, we have about 120,000 people throughout the world, which is awesome. But where do we go? Where do we go from here? Here's another one. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands. He led them. Okay? So, the Bible talks about what? That David, there's two parts here. He shepherded them, right? There's an integrity of their hearts. Okay? But at the same time, the Bible says that they had skillful hands too. Leadership is a skill. I think there's a lot of people that you see that you can tell they have kind of like a natural leadership style, but if they don't hone that in, if they don't sharpen that, if they don't figure it out, it never gets materialized, or they're, they're kind of stuck with the same tools. And, and, and it's frustrating, because new things come up, and you think, well, I got these tools, why don't they work? Things change. Things change really, really fast. I want to show you guys something that I, I really love. This is one of my favorite... Uh, videos from YouTube, okay? And it's called Leadership Secrets. And I hope that you can hear this. It's about this guy in the park. If they 
about it, everything in that video, three minutes, sums everything up. What did you guys learn from that? What did you guys see from that video? And how many of you guys have seen that before? Never. Never? Never. What do you think of that? What, do, what, what, do you, what did you get out of that? It's, it's really fuzzy because it's real live. What happened? Um, just that he didn't really care what people thought of him. He took initiative to stand up and do his own thing. And then when somebody joined, it, it was welcomed, and it wasn't like he was saying, no, sit down, this is my show. It was like, that's what he wanted. He wanted the woman to... Yep. And he didn't care. He didn't care what he looked like. He just kept going on and on and on and on. I really like what he said, though. He said that it's the second guy that is crucial. Mm-hmm. It's not the first guy. It's the second guy. There's a new book that just came out. It's the importance of being second. Okay. And it's really cool because it's, it's talking about the second leadership that's really the key, more than the first guy. So the second guy, he says, transformed the lone guy from being a nut into a movement, right? And then the second guy and the third guy transformed the second guy. You know, it just, it just keeps going like that, right? So in your group, in your leadership group, who are we influencing? And leadership is about engaging a vibrant community of faith. And that's what we are. Yeah. It's called the Lone Shirt Guy Dancing. That's what it's called. The Lone Shirt Guy Dancing. Okay? So, from that, what you see is that there's momentum that's being built up. Okay? I like what he said also about how leadership is overrated. Okay? It is overrated. It is. It's, it's, you can lead, but it's people. How many people can you get to follow along with you? Okay? He says, organizational and community development leadership. Overview, the creative collaborative learning community, the foundation for the personal and uh, professional development and every leader to engage others. Okay? That's what we're going to be learning in the next few weeks here is how do we, how do we engage others? How do we learn ourselves? How do we learn what we need about ourselves and how do we engage other people? Okay? Lena and I have had really, uh, we've been really blessed. When we got out of college, uh, we came down to Orange County. That was the first thing we did. And then we were supposed to go to the Vietnam mission team, but the country didn't open up. So we wound up in Manila. We're not Filipinos, by the way. Oh, wow. But we went there for three years. We had our first daughter there. But I tell you what, I mean, those were foundational days for us as newlyweds. And then we learned Tagalog a little bit. And then at the end of those three years, I preached my first lesson in Tagalog. Wow. And... I was really nervous, and then I told people, I said, do you think people knew what I said? And then the word came back, says, yeah, because I, I kind of read it, right? Because I wrote it out, I read it. And then the word came back, says, well, we kind of knew what he said, but the question is, did he know what he said? <laughs> All right? But that was good. That was good. It, 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 it was good in the sense that, you know, I, I did it. I went out, and it meant a lot to the Christians that I, I butchered their language. Okay, I converted a few of them to Buddhism or something like that, but it doesn't matter. They appreciate it. Okay, 
But how do we engage other? Are we willing to be all things to all men? After that, we went to Bangkok. Bangkok, that was a really tough place too, in terms of the language. And then after that, we went to Vietnam. Got kicked out of Vietnam, went to Japan. Japan is really tough. Japan is a nation that is known for, uh, they have an old adage in Japanese. If it stands out, if a nail stands out, you know what you do? You take a big hammer and you hammer it right down. You make it go back into its place. So for Christianity, Christianity, historians have, have said that uh, Japan is the Mount Everest of mission work. Okay? And historically, Japan has not been conquered by, by the gospel. Japan is, is overwhelmingly just recalcitrant towards the gospel. But you learn that. You keep going, right? But how do we engage others? How do we engage different people in different languages? He goes, well, Ken, those are really nice stories. But you know what? We live in L.A., one of the greatest melting pots in the history of mankind. We don't have to go out for mission work. The mission work is coming here to us. And if we want to be effective on how to learn how to engage others, we need to learn some tools. We need to really learn a lot about ourselves as well. Okay? Leadership and the co-creation of meeting. What I like about that video is that it's not this one guy only. Right? It's their group creating this together. I was reading something from, um, from Douglas Jacoby, and he was writing about how the Protestant movement is celebrating its 500th year anniversary, the Reformation. And he was listing out some of the things he didn't like about it. And one of the things he didn't like about this is just the stress on, on, on laity, uh, clergy laity, that it takes so many people out of the game. Okay? But creating real leadership is getting people to buy in to leadership. You know, Jesus only had three years in his ministry. If you look at the Buddha, the Buddha died when he was 80 years old. He had 50 years to build his ministry. Okay? And it's kind of ironic. It's, uh, according to legends, he died. You know what he died of? You, you think that all Buddhists are vegetarian? He died eating uh, some bad pork. Yeah, he got botulism or something like that. That's the, that's the story, right? But over the years, people have made it into vegetarianism and all that stuff. But he was, he was the middle road guy. He says, don't be, don't be so, you know, over there, don't be, don't be over here, be in the middle. He died of food poisoning. But the point is, he had 50 years, right, to build his movements. Jesus had three years. It's ingenious. And he had to get it down that his disciples were the people, the followers had to be the people that passed on his, 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 uh, his legacy. When Lena and I traveled to these different countries, I tell you what, we didn't measure our leadership by when we were there. That's easy. When you're there, you can kind of move a few lovers here and there. You can do different things. It's when you leave, when you check back. That's when you look at, how did I build? Did I build a great community? Okay? I think that's the challenge for us right now on the West Side. I think that's a challenge for us right now because I think if we're not careful, we'll be just like the people, right? With media today, with technology today, you can have stuff on demand, right? You can call up stuff, like right away. And it's almost like a real ultimate consumer mentality. It's almost like, show me what you got. Give me your best. It's harder now, in some ways, to build community than back then. I was talking to a professor up in Pepperdine one time. He says, you know, kids are today are really weird. And he, he's being kind of worldly. He says, you know, you got these beautiful girls walking by and they don't even care. They're just stuck on their phone. He says, and in my day, you know, <laughs> you know, the cat whistle and all that stuff, 
uh, it's it's different today. This is this is you, you know you got to capture people, but it's a little bit harder today. You gotta you gotta really figure out a way to capture people. How many people are in their earbuds? How many people you know you can't even talk to them? Right? We were having lunch today with the Hortons. You sitting there, really neat, neat business guy. He sat there the whole time. He had his earbuds on. The only way I can talk to him is this guy. Can you take your you know literally take his earbuds off or catch him when he's when he's finished? Okay, co-creating meaning together. That's the key for the West Side. To get everybody to buy in to Haggai. To get everybody to buy in to Acts chapter 2. How do we do that? That's my challenge. I'll tell you the truth. That's the challenge. It's not me dictating everything. It's, it's getting people to buy in. It's getting people to buy into the scriptures. Getting people to follow God and getting people to really think about you know, what's really important. Pointing people to God. That's what leadership, Christian leadership is. Pointing people to God and going together to God. It's not me having the best ideas. It's not Todd having the best ideas or Chaz having the best idea or Karima having the best idea. Yes, that's great. But all of us having great ideas together. That's the challenge. I want to ask you a question in your Bible talk. Do you feel like, okay, everybody's working? If it is, I'm not saying it's not. Is, is everyone doing its part? Is everybody supporting ligaments? Is every bone, is every muscle working together, contributing, whether it's a one-talent person or a five-talent person? You know, are they co-creating meaning together? Is, it there, is there a synergy? Is there, you know, that's a fancy, you know, new wave word, right? Synergy, cynicism, and all, you know. All this. But are, are people working together? Are you adding to it? Leadership is tricky. Okay? Leadership is needed. It's co-creating meaning together. You got the boss and you got the leader. Here's the leader in the front. And he's, he's together with his people. He's pulling his weight. He's getting the job done. How, do, how can we do that today in the church? Let me ask you that. Today, Karima, you've been in the church for about, what, 20 years? Plus? Okay. What do you think is needed today? When you look at Acts 2, they were devoted to one another. They, you know, they, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What do you see this the challenge today in terms of the West Side? Let's, let's, let's bring it down personally to the West Side. What do you think is the challenge today? How do, how do we co-create together? What do you think? What's the challenge and what is the solution? Yeah. I'm asking. Right. We're, we're so quick to shut them down before the change would be created into something. There's no. Uh, How do you see that? How do we shut people down? I'm, I'm just curious. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I don't. Me personally, I kind right. of. Right. I'm here, so I'm just okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's. I'm saying from what I've heard and what I've interacted 
with is kind of like, oh, how about if we did this, you know, rather than allowing the person to actually develop their idea and work with them. It's kind of like, oh, let's change it and do it the way I think it should be done. Yeah. Rather than it being, let's just take this idea, develop it, yeah, I believe in the way that we're going to grow as a people on the West Side is if we have honest dialogue together. Two ways dialogue. Multiple channels of dialogue. So when I hear stuff like, you know, people are being shut down, and I appreciate Shadira bringing that up, I want to know why. I want to know how. I just don't want to know these generalizations because I want to know why. I want to know how. I want to isolate it and figure it out. That's how we're going to solve some of these things together. And I'm not like offended by it. I'm not like worried about it. We're co-creating together. I throw it back at people when I lead. And I said, you know, it's not just me, you know, sitting around. It's us together. This is my church. This is your church too. And getting people to buy in sometimes is allowing people to buy in. Right? And I agree with you. I think, I think we need to give people room, space. But that's where they need to learn also how to lead as well, right? How to influence. Right? right? And, and you said something that's really crucial. Do they execute? Or is it just, I got a bunch of ideas, but this guy is right in front. He's like on the front line. That's why I love that story about that crazy guy with the shirtless guy. He's an idiot, <laughs> right? He's out there by himself. He's, he's sticking his neck out. And that's why these people are, are, are really coming in. How do we do that today? How can we stick out our neck today as a leader? How do, we, how do we do that in a very practical way on the West Side as a church? What, what is a need? What, is, what are some needs that we can lead in right away? Well, I mean, I guess evangelism is... Yeah. Yeah. Go to church on Sunday and it's we're all it's the same all same old same old people there. Right. You know, like like when I saw in years before where we would have preservers and you know, it was very legalistic before but it's too complacent today. Yeah. And I, I know part of it is you know, the way society is that there's so much Social media, so much reality TV, and all this stuff. I think it affects people in a negative way. But even so, we still have to try harder and not sort of give up. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things that I've really appreciated about um, your leadership and Todd and Chaz is that I really think that you show so much humility in who you are. You don't hide behind false front. You don't put up this veneer that I'm perfect. You show your faults to everyone. And I think what that does for well, for me personally is I feel like we have room to grow. Yeah. And we're not perfect. And you don't I'm not saying that's what we strive to be, obviously, to be more like Jesus, but we know that. And yeah. We're human and that. So that humility for me really uh, allows us freedom to grow and not be oh I'm not I can't, I'm not good enough I'm not right so that, I mean really honestly I think that type of leadership is really important to show you know, continue to show that well thanks thanks for I the encouragement yeah. I think it thank really you. does yeah. inspire thanks for the encouragement yeah
One of the things I feel that, um, like I know what makes me grow, for me personally, is when I like read, like I always remember looking at the book in Joshua and chapter one and talking about like, I will give you every place that you step your foot and believing that as my own promise. Yeah. Like not just Joshua's promise, but my promise. And I right. feel like somehow, um, you know, I feel like for me the challenge is how do I help others really believe that the Bible is like that, that is, you know, that back, that, that saying of like, if only you were the person, the only person to respond, right. that those very words would be written for you. You know what I mean? Like those very, and to believe and to accept that, like, I think that's when I do the best. Like when I'm really reading it and going, he, those promises are for me. And somehow finding a way um, to inspire people to believe that. I think th- that's my challenge. I think yeah. in my own personal, like how do I help other people to feel not just loved? Because I feel like we can help people feel loved. But I, how do we inspire them to feel that that promise is theirs and that God did pick handpick each one of us and that we are precious and I think there's an ownership and then that's the motivation for us to do more in society yeah. to do more as a church um, but I almost wonder if that promises um, has been lost or that yeah. belief that we're special you know I was, I was Guinness he's, he's, he's a missionary he's a sociologist guy he says that how do you measure uh, uh, the, the, the power the greatness of a country is it by the size of their army or the total population of their country. What, what, what is it? And he, he, he posited this one thing that he said, he said, what is it that that society holds dear in his heart? That's what makes that country great. Is there an ideal? Is there, like what Jesus said, a, a, a faith and a belief in God where you personally believe that God is speaking to me. When I look at these scriptures, you personalize it, Right? And to answer your question, I, I think the only way to do that is you keep going. And that if you really believe it, and if you live it out, and you make decisions based on that, that along the way, and I think you call other people to do the same thing, then that's how you, and then they call other people, and then so on and so on. It's the expectation of, of really calling people. Like if, when we have kids, right? It's, it's, I can't believe I'm doing this again. You know, we were at Gabby's kindergarten graduation the other day I was like I was looking around and said, I can't believe I'm doing this again but it's good for me it's good for me because I have to really those little eyes those little ears hear everything okay it's good for me okay so the answer to that is that you just live it out the way it is and you, these things that you hold dear um, I, I think that it's going to it's going to transfer on how do you how do you what is community for you what does that look like for you Right? When I first became a Christian, I saw that. I saw Acts 2 lived out. And, and in some ways, you know, we've lost some of that community. Okay? But like I said, you constantly have to rebuild that. You have this picture in your mind, like what you said in Acts 2. They broke bread together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And, you know, they devoted to the apostles. That's what you hold dear to your heart. And you don't let it go. Leaders have these visions, this vision. And you don't, the great thing about being a Christian is that you don't have to have these visions by yourself. You can read the Bible and you can borrow God's vision. Right? If you were to ask me what keeps me going, it's Acts 2. It's Acts 2. It really is. It's, I know that that's an idealized, you know, young, newlywed Christians, you know, brand new, minted disciples, 3,000 of them. I get that. Okay? They ate together with guns. They shared everything as they had need. 
But you know, that's a vision that I, I don't let go of. So everywhere we go, we model that. And there's, there's, there's ways of saying, people that are saying, well, that's them, that's not us. I don't buy it. I think that's what Christians should be. And I'm not going to give up on that vision. Okay? To me, what is community to you makes you a leader. You've got to have something to strive for. You know, leadership for leadership's sake by itself, it, it's, it's kind of cool, but, but it doesn't really drive you towards something. So my question is, just like what does that appear, how do you characterize community? What, 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 do you, what does it look like to you in your family group? When people don't come, you know, does it bother you? Does it hurt you? Do you call them back? Do you, do you fight every day to really strive for that? When people aren't growing in, in the group or the way that they need to. We care a lot about our kids, right? I remember when Lena was, was get, you know, pregnant, what do you expect in the first month? What do you expect in the second month? And you see these different signs, right? You, some of you guys are, you still remember, you know, remember what the signs of the kid, you know, what's in the first month, what they should do. These are benchmarks, you know, fifth month, they should have that arrow sign or whatever, right? So we looked over the crib and see if Gabby had the little arrow sign. And we go, arrow sign, all right, normal kid, you know, whatever, right? These are benchmarks. It's the same thing in the community. What do you expect from your community? What do you want from your community? I'm not talking about being harsh. I'm talking about encouraging and discipling and teaching. That's something that you've got to have in your heart. And you've got to go, I'm not giving up on this. A bruise, you know, a, 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 a smoldering wick he, he will not put out. And, you know, Bruce Reed, he's not going to bruise. You know, I get that. There needs to be some gentleness and stuff. But you can't give up on your vision for what is community to you. For us Christians, we don't have to develop it ourselves. We see it. We see it in, you know, what Paul was striving towards in Corinthians. You know, what he fought so hard for, you know, in, in, in these, these, these Bible uh, books that he's, he's fighting for these people. How would you characterize your group? What do you see five years from now, ten years from now? You know, new command, I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You know, the Trinity is such an amazing thing that no one can describe, right? No one can describe it. I mean, theologians can't describe what... The, there's not even in a word in, in the Bible, Trinity. It's a concept of God, three in one. You know, it's, that's, that's what this verse is all about, to be honest that we love one another. A new command I give you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay. As humans, we always have in community our choices to decide what kind. And that's where leadership comes in, to define the community, to point people back constantly to what this community looks like. Okay, let me throw this back at you. What do you think about that? What, what, what kind of energy do you think it's going to take for you to develop that kind of community? So when you see Acts 2, is it a pipe dream? When you look at the scriptures, you know, Matthew 18, about how do we resolve conflict to one another? Do we read it and not consider it? What do we do with scriptures like that, where Paul or Jesus or Peter tells us that's the community that they're trying to forge? But when we see it in our own community, what do you do when, when it's off, when it's not online? What do you do? Yeah. I, th- I think it's important to just bring it back to the scriptures because if we stray away from um, 
how God defines community, how God yeah. defines, you know, this body, then we're doing our own thing. Right. But it's to remember to go back to the scriptures and help people come back to it, to say, okay, we are not looking like this anymore. What do we need to do to right. get back to this standard? Constantly. Con- yeah. Right? Constantly. When I was growing up, when I was in high school, there was an airline, Korean airline, weird, weird number, 007. Remember that one? Yeah. What happened to that one? It got shot down. It got shot down with, like, I think 350 people or something like that over the waters of, uh, uh, of uh, the Soviet Union at that time. It's called Sakhalin, right? I remember Sakhalin and Kamchatka. Those, those are the islands. And they were doing forensics on it, right? And, and I can't imagine the Soviet pilot that had received the order to actually shoot down these innocent people. I, I wonder how he had to live with it for the rest of his life. But anyways, that's another story. So the forensics on it is that how did this airline stray so far into Soviet airspace? And you know what the answer is? Little by little. Little by little. That's how you strayed into Soviet airspace. Right? So as a church builder, for many years now, it's so easy to stray. It's so hard to keep that, that community and, and, and to think about what kind of community I want. I'm not straying from this. It's a resolve. It's a conviction that we have. You know, it's a conviction that we're not willing to let go of. That's what leaders do. They have convictions that other people don't. You know, it says... Um, we create connections through how we organize. What we desire is to belong, overcome our sense of isolation. Okay. Let me throw this out to you guys. For many, many years, the Bible talk is kind of like our go-to, right? Our family group. Is it working for you? Is it working for you? For you? Yeah, Lori. Yes. Yes. Why? Why is it working for you? Um, because people are, they meet together, they come. When we tell them, you know, we have a Bible talk. People bring food, participate, and um, well, as a family, it works. Yeah. Not necessarily bringing people in, um, you know, every meeting, um, having a visitors, but as a right. family, it's, there's close relationship among members. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like we're there for each other. Okay. All right. How about someone else? That yeah. Right. You know, and it's work. It's working. It's building family, and um, and everybody's thriving. I feel there. And also, we talk about um, our friends that we're praying for, people that we're reaching out to. Yeah. You know, and I participated in a study recently, and that's pretty challenging because well, how do I do this again? <laughs> you know, yeah. How do you? It's been a while, right? Yes. It's been a while. But you know, I. Um, still praying, you know, and I asked for help. 
So I reached out to people, the women to help out. So I think yeah, for in our group, it's I really appreciate it. Yeah. We, you know, we don't even have to call each other for food. It's just run. You know, just bring it. And I think that we all have... What do you think that comes from? I'm just curious. What, what, how did you get that culture in that group? That comes from somewhere, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Right. Yeah, Paul had, uh, that course had, uh, they had about 30 disciples that came. They had about 30 visitors too, 30 friends who came. It was so much fun. I have to tell you, you know, in the 23 yeah. years that I've been in, in the Toronto church and I've been in three different sectors here in LA, this is my favorite group by far. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, I just, it is the most familial, right. communal feeling. Um, uh, I think because people do, they, they take discipleship seriously. Right? Yeah. We're a family. And a lot of people uh, don't have family here. They're like from other places. Yeah. So we are family. And uh, even those born in the U.S., like my family is all up to Michigan for instance. But... Um, I think it's just building the, the community through our own little small, small family groups. Yep. And, and servant leadership. That's right. And I agree with Lena. And that's exactly what I was going to say. It's the leadership. Yeah. It's the leadership that's consistent. Leadership that is that has a vision that sets an example. I mean, that's what it is. You know. And Lori, you've been doing this for thirty years. I know. I was thinking about that when I first moved to LA, and um, now. Uh, I was thinking about that today. Okay, I'll go to the class and leadership. What made my life uh, being a leader different from when I first started the movement? Right. LA in 1994. And now, and I felt like um, leadership is just um, having a life of a spider. You constantly build. Because those people that I had when I was single, they've been married now and they're not part of my leadership group anymore. My group now is different. They're all single. But um, I still love to be in this group that, that's where I'm at, even though now the, the different age group has changed. You know, when I'm older, I'm 60 years old now, and most of the sisters in my group and my, were almost um, over 30s in uh, yeah. exchange, you know, more mature age. But um, yeah, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of um, follow-up. Constantly getting to know what's going on with each one, make sure that you know um, constantly calling them. Yep. Them. Yep. It says every day they continue to meet together in temple courts. Every day, it's 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 constant. There's no how did how did the plane straight little by little. Okay, it's a culture that you set every day. You don't have to get together, but you can call one another. You can text one another. There's communication. Right? They broke bread and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Lord was the one that added to their number daily. 
They, they were ready. They were receptive to, to growth. Okay. I got two minutes here before I close out. You know, the high cost of detachment, uh, as I look at our group now, uh, like what I said at the beginning, there are a lot of people that are just all in. But there's, I, I would say about 20, 25% of our membership, I don't think they're pulled in as much. And what Shadera shared earlier, there, there, there is a little bit funky dynamic there, you know? Like maybe they stick their neck out and then they felt like, oh man, I, I, I didn't get hurt or, oh, what have you, right? And I think we need to pull those guys in, okay? Creating a sense of community responsibility, ownership, not dominion and commitments. Creating, that's the word that you see a lot. Is these things you have to create, you have to, you have to make happen. A lot of times we want to see, right? It's like, uh, it's like we want that first round draft pick. First pick, first round. And we want it to be a prototypical guy. But we don't realize that it takes a lot of work to shape a group, to make a group. And are we willing to do that? Are we willing to form this group? Are we willing to invest the time and the commitment into it? The essential challenge is to transform the isolation and self-interest into connectedness and caring for the whole community. You know, leading transformative developments from, we, we transfer from fears and faults. When you preach on Sunday, it's funny, I, I hope sometimes you get a, a chance to do a communion or something like that. It's a little bit daunting. Because there are people when you look out and they're like, they're like, they're ready to go. They want to know what you're saying. But there are people that you can totally sense. They go, man, okay, give me what you got. You know? It's, it's fears. And they have a lot of background. We'll talk more about that later on. They have a lot of things behind those eyes. A lot of fears. A lot of concerns about, you know, this happened to me in the past. You've got to transform that from that to gifts and generosity and abundance in your group. All right? I love that word magnanimous. Getting someone to be magnanimous. You know, just, just giving. I love that poem. You know, the, the, the extravagant spirits. How do you get your people from fear and faults pointing to gifts, generosity, and abundance? Increase laws and oversights to a belief in social fabric and personal accountability. Institution to association and, and life. And then from focus on authority to focus on working together. The fear of authority into working together. From problems to possibility. Community is formed when we build, there's purpose. Okay? And I appreciate what you shared about, hey, it's, it's not just us getting together and having this nice group of sharing a meal together, but there's a purpose to it. There's a purpose to that. You know, that's what they say about the Kennedy family, right? As, as, as many faults as they have, they say that they're always concerned about community service, the Peace Corps, you know, stuff like that. They're always thinking about what to do, something beyond... You know, they're the closest thing to in America to royalty, probably. The Kennedy family, right? Why? Because they're so, you know, good at taking care of themselves. Not really. They're terrible at taking care of themselves. But they're good at sending people to the moon. They're thinking about, they're good at starting Peace Corps. You know, stuff like that. You know, in our family, that's what we want our family to be like. We want our family to be generous, to be giving. You know, people come in the house, it's giving. It's like laughter and joy. Those things have to be created. And it comes from a purpose. Okay? Direction. Does it have a direction in your group? 
And there's continuity as well. It's not disjointed. It's not, leadership is not disjointed. It's not inconsistent. It's consistency, day in and day out. Day in and day out, people get the same thing from us. I want to close out by saying this. You know, we must ask, what are we the possibility of? When I look at the West Side, it's 280 people. Okay? And anytime you have a group, you're going to have problems. Anytime you have a group, there's politics. You know, I, I always laugh when people say, there's politics. Of course there's politics. Anytime you have two people, it's politics. It's, that's just normal. That's just people. It doesn't phase me out. or it doesn't, it, That's how we organize ourselves. All right? But what are we... I want, I want you to think for this week. And we, next week, we're not going to have class. Uh, you, you, I want us to get around and, and join other classes as well. But for the next two weeks, I want you to think about what's the possibility of the West Side. What are we the possibility of? Instead of looking at the problems, what are we the possibility of? Thinking that Jesus had 120 people, pretty much, right? He had 500 that saw him and witnessed and all that stuff. But he had 120 disciples, basically. 72 and the 12. Not that impressive if you think about it, right? For a life's work. Oh boy, but those 122, what, what, what were they a possibility of? We have more than double that number. What, what are we the possibility of on the West Side? When you get 280 disciples, people that are disciples of Jesus, aligned to Jesus, it's powerful. Okay? The art of possibility. I want us to look in our own group as well. In, in your own group, look at what's the possibility. The point of this slide here is to look at people from a different perspective. Instead of seeing the problem, problems, I want us to look at, in our group, what's the positive? What can this group become? What can the West become? I want to spend the next two months transforming the West. Okay? It takes a month to change our minds. They say, if you want to quit smoking, you got to do it for about a month for your mind to even begin to think that you're not even a smoker anymore. Okay? So it takes about a month. It takes two months. What are we the possibility of? I want, you to, I want you to think about that tonight as you go back. What can the West be? This past weekend, I don't want to end on negative, but uh, I want to think about the possibility. You know, we had uh, somebody came up to me and said, can please do not announce that we need children's ministry workers anymore. We can't stand hearing that anymore, and I agree with that person. Yeah, that's, I, I don't enjoy it, right? That's not, I mean, that's not, I don't like doing that, or, you know, Ben or whomever. The goal is to get everyone to all buy in, that we're in this thing together. Help me, help me this next few months to do that. Help me to, to, to get our group to, to like, hey, look, we, we're going to volunteer. This is our church. And uh, we're, we're all in. Okay? Let's pray. Amen. Father, we're so grateful to you as we start off with these initial slides about what the community can become. Help us to really put ourselves in the driver's seat in a way that you want us to be, God. To, to figure out how can we be a catalyst? How can we... Uh, really make this a group uh, the possibility that it can become 
Father, in the next few classes, as we look in our own, our own lives and our own leadership, uh, God, I, I pray that we can open up ourselves even more, God. I pray that we can be vulnerable to see what our weaknesses are and what our strengths are as well and to become the leaders that you want us to become. There's such a need, God. I know that the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Help us to become the workers that you envision for us to become. And we pray that for each one of the brothers and the sisters as we transform the West Side together to bring it to a new level of, of leadership, a new level of commitment to you, a new level of loving one another as Jesus envisioned 2,000 years ago. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.